With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome into episode 41 of the Natural Hattrick podcast. Uh, Luke Lipinski alongside Jamie Eisner. Craig Morgan is not here, and yet he still is here. He's somewhere on this planet, somewhere in this country. I'm not going to tell you exactly where. That's none of your business. But um, he is he's with us, not just in spirit, but also over the phone line we just had installed. So now, not only do we get Craig Morgan when he's on vacation, we can have other guests in here in the future. But we're going to start with permanent special guest Craig Morgan. Craig, how are you doing wherever you are? I'm in Oregon. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> I guess there goes that mystery. I'm great. It, it's beautiful up here. It's nothing like the valley right now. I'm enjoying the second leg of my vacation, but always good to talk hockey with you guys. It's not 115 degrees. My, this is a true story. The speaker in my car literally melted off my door yesterday. So, like, it just <laughs> fell out because it's so hot. And my car's not old, by the way. Anyway, so we've got some hockey to talk about. Uh, free agency is still going. The first wave of players, the, the big names have all signed, but we'll get into some other potential names that are out there. Uh, obviously, the draft is over. The teams can still make trades. I want to start with a couple uh, big-name younger players that signed pretty big deals over the last few days. Mark Scheifele, a huge deal with Winnipeg, eight years, $49 million, and then Nathan McKinnon, the former number one overall pick and rookie of the year, gets uh, seven years, $44.1 million with Colorado. I guess let's start with McKinnon because I know that, that people have been critical of the Avalanche uh, before, and I'm looking directly at Jamie. Uh, Jamie, what do you think about this McKinnon deal? I guess we'll, we'll start with you. I mean, I've been, I've been a McKinnon fan since he came out of the, the queue. And again, I like that Colorado is, unlike what we've heard through the offseason with guys like Tyson Berry, are looking at a young asset that has been valuable at the NHL level already in their young career and saying, we're not going to risk it with a, a two-year bridge deal. We're not going to take the chance and hope that maybe something doesn't go wrong. We're just going to go right ahead and say, let's lock this guy up now. We're overpaying the first couple years of the contract, but if he continues to be the player that we think he is, he's going to be a, a massive value down the road, and that flexibility, especially with a potential rising cap, is very, very important. Yeah, and it's you, you, you highlight something in there, though, that it, it is a bit of a gamble. You're hoping at this point that he becomes your franchise center, albeit the, the numbers are they're pretty manageable when you look at the cap hit for McKinnon. Um, Shifley got a, an eight-year deal, Mark Shifley in Winnipeg. So you look at those two deals, it, they are taking a bit of a risk that these guys are going to take that next level and become actual franchise centers. In this league, you know, which is such an cru a crucial ingredient to winning a championship, but at the same time, like you said, Jamie, the, the other gamble is if you if you don't do this, if you don't lock up these guys, you risk losing. So, in the end, it, it, it's uh, you know they've seen enough from them that they think it's worth the gamble. And, and you know, when you look at these markets too, it might be another risk that they're weighing into all of this. Do we lose this guy because he might want to go to a different market? Is is that a possibility as well? And does that play into this? 
Yeah, and with McKinnon specifically, I mean, you look back at his rookie year, that was uh, that was one of the few years Edmonton didn't win the lottery. Colorado won the lottery. They went from you know, obviously being one of the worst teams in hockey to being even in position to win the lottery to winning the Central Division. And, and McKinnon was a huge reason why he had the 24 goals, 63 points as a rookie, a plus 20. I know plus minus is somewhat antiquated, but still, 63 points as a rookie uh, is impressive. He was a major reason that Colorado had success. They haven't had a ton of success since then, but you have to bank on a player like him going forward. You just you don't have a choice. You can't let your number one overall pick. Uh, you can't even put him in a position where he might get away down the line. So maybe they're overpaying at the start. Maybe they're not. I mean, who knows what's going to happen with the salary cap going forward when you start to talk about six, seven years down the line. But McKinnon makes a, a ton of sense. And then I guess I'll direct you over to Shifley because you know Shifley was has been good his first couple of years 34 points in the 2013-14 season then 49 points but last year a, a real breakout the seventh overall pick in 2011 comes through with 29 goals 32 assists 61 points in just 71 games he was he was quietly almost automatic for Winnipeg in the second half last season when you start to look at the the young core of players that the Jets have signed uh, again you're in the central so it's going to be really tough to, to make a move up those standings, but they're, they're setting themselves up pretty well for the future, and obviously Shifley is a huge part of that. Yeah, and like I said, another one of these contracts scares me that much when you look at the cap hit. You know, maybe, like you said, it's a, it's a little bit high early on, but it's, it's not an unmanageable number, so it's probably a wise investment for both of these teams. Absolutely, and again, you're, you're, you're in a situation where you can't, there's no league that kind of lets you, I guess there are some in the NFL where you can have some rollover based on certain ways contracts are, are structured and whatnot but if you have the cap space now and, this, and you have a young player who you believe is going to continue to grow into the star that you think he's going to become it's better to use up some of that cap space now in order to save that cap space in the future when maybe you are a cont- uh, more of a Stanley Cup contender in a couple years two years I mean Winnipeg's cap room maybe in two years might end up being more valuable to them than what their cap room is going to be for next season. And this is another way you can kind of maneuver that. Again, if a guy gets hurt or they fall off the table or something else changes off the ice, you're stuck. But if that doesn't happen and they continue to progress, you're in a really, really good spot. The bottom line is when you get assets like this too, I mean, these are the sort of players that you're really hoping you can build your team around. And yes, you know, the Jets have Blake Wheeler and that's great. Uh, But Blake Wheeler's a few years older than Mark Shifley and now, Shifley was the number two scorer on that team last year. He led the team in goals for all the talk about Blake Wheeler being their best player, and maybe he still is, but Shifley led the team in goals, and it's it, it wasn't it doesn't seem like an outlier. It doesn't seem like it came from out of nowhere. Each of the last three years, he has progressed more and more, and so you start to look at the core of that team with Patrick Laine coming in and Nikolai Ehlers maybe being better next year, and some of the young talent they have, it's, it's not unrealistic to expect Mark Shifley to be the the piece in the middle of all that that you you actually do build around and so in that in that regard you don't really have a choice I mean you have to get a guy like that locked up Uh, they do it and so that's that's two teams in the west with with pretty good young players that they have locked in for the better part of the next decade now I'm going to turn your attention to another young player on a team in the west I showed this let me just say one more thing on that first Uh, you know what's interesting to me in this Shifley contract in particular you know when when it expires he's going to be 30 years old so in terms of flexibility for the franchise when you look at it down the road and you look at where this league is going with youth at that point Winnipeg you know you may say at that point you know what whatever he's going to get if he's going to get some mega offer from someone it might be time to walk away from a player like that who's going to turn 31 in the first year of his next contract so maybe this is sort of 
a wave of the future as well, looking at how youth is really uh, influencing decisions in this league as well and, and how older players, you know, they, they seem to slow down a little bit and, and there's a, a movement away from them. Maybe this is a wise move, locking him up through, you know, what is going to be his prime. Yeah, and, and that's, that is interesting too because it's not like you have him locked up till he's 27 or something and then he's going to be able to command a huge deal uh, when he's 27. You have him locked up through all those years and certainly you can still be effective in this league in your 30s, but in terms of going out there and, and really demanding a, just a massive contract, if he continues to progress the way he has the last couple of years for the next three or four years, it was going to be that much harder to sign him in three or four years. So at least now you, you know you're getting uh, the, the true bulk uh, of his career. Now, I showed this to Craig last week, and this is just its just something to talk about. I, I, people get caught up in this stuff, I guess, a little bit, but it is interesting to me. TSN put out the uh, – uh, Jamie, I don't even know if you saw this. They basically – they have fans voting on their – what is it called? Like the franchise it's, – it's their franchise face-off. So you're basically – they give you four players at each position, your first line center, second line center. They give you two forward lines uh, and, and two defensive pairings and a goalie. And there's four players in each spot. Fans vote. I believe it's for like a week. So the four names that were thrown out there as the franchise center, and this is not for years down the line. This is for right now. This is your team for the upcoming season. Your options, John Tavares, Jonathan Taves, Connor McDavid, Sidney Crosby. Care to guess, Jamie, because Craig already knows uh, how the voting went. Read those names again one more time. John Tavares, Jonathan Taves, Connor McDavid, Sidney Crosby. Well, one of those things is not like the other okay. at the moment, <laughs> and uh, I think that's going to be the winner, Connor McDavid. I, b- I bet you oh, double, double the second place. Um, let me see if I can find the final tally. When when I looked last week, and, I, and McDavid certainly won. Um, he he was pretty far ahead of Sidney Crosby, who was number two. Then Taves had a respectable number, and you would think people don't even know John Tavares exists in the league. He had like two percent, which I, I'm not even saying this is wrong, even though it is, but just. What does this say about the expectations on McDavid at this point? We already knew they were high, but people are basically saying they expect him to be the best player in the league next year. I mean, that, that's I'm reading that right, right? Yeah, you are. Okay. And they do expect that. Okay. And I'm not saying it's that's, impossible. To me, that's ludicrous. If we're talking about one season, if we're talking about next season, I mean, if you're talking about a guy you want to start your franchise with right now, and maybe some people misunderstood it, that, that could be part of this as well. People don't read directions very carefully, as we all know. Uh, but if you're talking about one season, next season, there's no way Connor McDavid is at the level of those other players that you mentioned, when, especially when you look at the all-around game. I think he's going to be a superstar. He's going to be one of those iconic players in this league. There's no way his development there is there yet. There's no way I would take anybody but Sidney Crosby, to be honest, in, in, in this discussion. I would put Jonathan Tate second. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I think I'm with Craig on this. Like, I would I would have McDavid and Tavares fighting for third, and if we're just talking about next season, John Tavares has already shown what he can do. Did Did you see who one of the candidates were for right wing? Um, hold on, I, I did. I, I lost for for number one right wing. Yeah, I've got Kane, Pavelski, Stamkos. Interesting, yeah, interesting. Tarasenko, isn't it? Oh, Stamkos at right wing. That feels like I put in a call to TSN and did, made did sure they. <laughs> what we're basically trying to say here is Jamie runs TSN. So I'll just lump this this into the conversation I heard uh, on the radio on the way over here this this morning when people were calling in and, and trying to determine who the face of the NHL is. And two names uh, – look, Crosby and Ovechkin got plenty of votes from people. But the two names that kind of stood out to me were, again, Connor McDavid, who has played 45 career NHL games, 
and Terry Price is the other one. So I don't, I'm not trying to steal anybody else's uh, topic idea here, but just how crazy are we going to go with McDavid next year? Like, what does he have to do at this point to fulfill Wait, expectations? This, one? this was, this was uh, for, for TSN or was it for someone else? The, this I just heard on the radio. This was just they had listeners calling in. Who do you consider the face of the NHL right now? Which station? Who, who are we talking about? Well, I mean, Crosby and Ovechkin were getting a lot of votes, but it was really McDavid and McDavid and Carey Price were the two that stood out to me. As was getting, it an American radio station? Oh, which station? Yeah. Yes, that, that I believe I believe it was a Canadian show. Okay. Okay. Well, that 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 colors everything then to me. I think that's going to change things as well because I think if you had Amer- an American audience calling in, change that vote a bit. Who do you think would win if it was an American audience? I gotta believe it's Sidney Crosby. Okay, I mean, and that you know, there wasn't there wasn't official voting with with a tally. I can't tell you who won that. Crosby and Ovechkin got plenty of of people calling in, but it is just remarkable to me how how McDavid mania seems to be reaching a new level. And again, he, he was he was fine last year, but he played forty five games. Like if 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 you let the fans vote on the Calder, I feel like I'm pretty safe in assuming he would have won it going away. <laughs> That, yeah, that's, that's an angry that's, laugh. Uh, from I mean, Craig. Yeah, I, it's not a bad thing for the league, though, right? To have so much hype around this guy. Maybe, maybe it's rough on him, but it's not a bad thing to have that kind of hype around a young player, somebody that you can build your marketing around. So I, I don't know that I have too much trouble with it. As, you know, as long as, as as long as the people in the know don't get get this thing blown out of perspective. Fans are one thing, and you really can't control that. I just don't know what he can do. I mean, he's on a team that hasn't made the playoffs in basically a decade, and we're already anointing Taylor him. Hall for yeah, yeah. second-pairing defenseman. Yes. We're on a team that hasn't made the playoffs in 10 years that is actively getting worse, apparently. Uh, although I think the three of us all agree they will actually be better next year despite their curious offseason with Taylor Hall trade. Uh, speaking of another player that is, I guess, going to be measured against McDavid this season, Austin Matthews goes number one overall to the Maple Leafs a few weeks ago. Probably not a huge deal, but he is not currently signed in Toronto. And the only reason that that even pops up on anybody's radar is because Lou Lamorello is in charge in many ways there. And he has a history of kind of taking a hard stance in in similar situations and usually winning. So do you see this as anything that's going to be a story two weeks from now or maybe even potentially a few years down the line when Matthews is up for his next deal? Or does this just basic negotiations? Well, I think these are. This is basic Lou Lamorello negotiations. Uh, you know, Connor McDavid probably has it in the back of his mind that he could be sleeping with the fishes soon if he doesn't get this done. But the, I don't know that it's going to be a problem in the short term. Once it gets done, I think everybody will move past it. I think the the, the time to watch would be further down the road if the same sorts of things happen and and he's the kind of star that they thought he would be. I, I can't imagine them holding a hard line on him if he becomes an actual franchise player, but. To some extent, I, I get this right now. The guy hasn't played a single game yet, so you, you, you deserve to at least negotiate and, and, and uh, fight for, for what you think is right on, this, on your side of the negotiation. The Leafs will never have more leverage in contract negotiations than they do right now with Austin Matthews. Exactly. And, and again, I think this isn't much to do about nothing. If, if the training camp comes and he's not signed, then I think it's a story. And I think it's something like, okay, he's going to miss time for a guy that we expect to play on night one, then it's a story. Right now, I don't think it's much. Again, there's bonuses in certain things, but in terms of the overall structure of a contract, there's very little wiggle room for an entry-level deal. 
I tend to agree with you guys, uh, but but it is interesting just because Matthews has already there's there's been very very little about his path to this point that has been traditional. I mean, obviously he did, he didn't choose that he grew up and played hockey in Arizona, but he did choose to go uh, over to Switzerland instead of playing in the OHL or wherever. So that again, I'm not I'm not I don't expect the guy to hold out through the start of next season. I just I just kind of put it in the back of my mind and wonder how things are going to go a few years down the line because. The expectations on him are going to be ridiculous. They're probably not going to be as high as they are on McDavid, but he is also in Toronto. And I just, we've seen in the past, people expect Matthews to be better than Phil Kessel, but we saw what happened to Phil Kessel when when he couldn't drag that team into and through the playoffs. It seemed like a lot of that fan base, or at least the media there, turned on him. I don't know. I mean, you're right. Right now, it's it's much ado about nothing. Uh, and I believe we're actually quoting Shakespeare. So look at the, the level of classiness this podcast has reached. Uh, what do you guys think is, is a realistic expectation, assuming Matthews is playing from day one, uh, statistically from him? Oh, boy. On that team, I'd have to dive down into that before I gave an answer. Okay. I'd have to just think about his line mates, situations he's going to be used in. There's a whole lot that factors into that. Because that could be a very fun team if he's out there skating with Mitch Marner or whatever. But I just I, I wonder if – if people are already setting the bar too high for, for him in his rookie season as well. I mean, if people are expecting 35 goals or something from him or 30 goals, that's that's a lot from a young player, especially, as Craig says, playing on a team that is is very much in flux right now. Yeah, man, it is Toronto, so you're probably right about those expectations. But hopefully somebody will be, do a good job of tempering those expectations for the fan base. Probably not. It probably won't yeah, happen, though. It yeah. never happens. Like that. Uh, we touched on this a little bit briefly last week, but I, we may as well get a little bit more into it this week in terms of players that are still out there. I mentioned the free agency is is still going, but we just really haven't seen a lot of players uh, sign in the last week or so. And so it, it got me to looking at, for something I wrote for today's Slapshot on, on Redeem for Bada being out there. I know we mentioned him a little bit last week, but there are other players out there that I, I'll throw at you guys and, and see if you would have any interest we talked about Verbata. Uh, I would assume that he's going to get signed here at some point relatively soon. None of these guys, none of these names I'm going to throw out are, are you know, game-changing, uh, amazing franchise players, obviously. But they are players that should be on rosters. I mean, they're, they're certainly better. They are better than a lot of players that are currently on rosters. So outside of Verbata, uh, what about Matthew Carl, the defenseman that was essentially bought out by Tampa Bay? Do you think there will be any interest in a guy like that that, that has – 10 years of NHL experience under his belt on the blue line. I guess I'll, I'll take this one to start. I, I, I'm not sure anybody's going to view Carl as anything other than an emergency band-aid. If somebody gets hurt in training camp, I, I just, I don't see his style of play fitting with somebody going out there and saying, yes, we need this guy in our top six right now. Uh, if he was a right-handed shot, maybe because apparently they don't make right-handed defensemen anymore. They really don't. Apparently, just they're all went away. I guess it's like it's back when I was in high school, where we used to play like uh, hockey inside the gymnasium, and they only had left-handed sticks for some reason. It was just all left-handed sticks. So you just had to learn how to play with the left-handed stick. It's and so I feel like weird. that is the scenario that's happening with defensemen. I'm sure that's exactly what the issue is. I wish my parents would have forced me to be a defenseman when I was younger because I am right-handed, so instantly I'd have a contract even if I wasn't good at this point. Or just like tie your right arm behind your back and make you throw fastballs really quickly with your left hand. Oh, there was no way. That was never going to work, no matter what they did. <laughs> Craig, any interest in Matt Carl if you're building a team? Yeah, I'm sort of on board with James. So I, was, I was waiting for someone else to denigrate him first. I just, I, I think he's exactly what Jamie says he is. He's a, he's a guy that you... you bring in to just sort of fill a bottom spot. 
um, as a depth guy or, or an emergency guy. Just I don't think he fits with today's NHL so well. Uh, what about Dennis Seidenberg, also a lefty, a little bit older? I mean, he's out there. He was he was serviceable for Boston for a while, but I'm assuming if you guys don't like Matt Carl at age 31, you're probably not super high on Dennis Seidenberg at 34. You would be correct. Yeah, I like... It's almost like we're creating a subcategory here now. <laughs> okay, well, here's some righties I'm going to toss at you. James Wisniewski, Dan Boyle, Justin Schultz, Luke Shen. I know that those are very different players from each other, but Luke Shen in particular is still very young at, at, at age 26. Justin Schultz actually even younger at 25, just won a cup. Uh, he wasn't a huge reason why, though. Any interest in any of those four players? Well, again, the right-handed thing is going to factor into this, and youth is going to factor into it. Yeah, I think that the a more intriguing group of players that you've just mentioned than the previous one There'll be these guys will find a home at some point. There, there are plenty of teams that are still looking for help on their blue line. I don't have any deep thoughts on this, though, if that's what you're asking. I just figured since you were in Oregon, you'd be all introspective and philosophical. <laughs> I don't know, Jamie, you? I mean, I, I can we say the Luke Shen experiment's done? Like, I mean, how, how many year, yeah. how many teams do I have to keep hearing, oh, no, this will be the team where Luke Shen really takes off? Well, but, I mean, at this point, I'm guessing you could get him for cheap enough where he doesn't have to take off, even if you put him on your bottom uh, bottom pairing. But the question is now is will a team in July rather lock up a contract, that, yeah, a, even a, you know, a one-year veteran minimum contract, in a player like that before knowing what they have in their system? No, and I, I, I think that's fair. I think some of these guys could wait a little longer to find a home. But I think once teams sort everything else out, these are the sorts of players that you, you'll see streaming into NHL camp. Yeah, I think these guys are going to play NHL minutes somewhere this season. I just don't think teams need to rush out and sign them right now. It, it, again, I kind of make another cross-sport comparison. It, sometimes you don't want to bring in a guy because you don't know who's going to get hurt. You know, Somebody can get hurt in training camp, and all of a sudden you have a need somewhere else, and you didn't need to waste, a, waste money and a, and a roster spot on a seventh defenseman. Yeah, uh, I think they'll find work at some point, but I, I don't think any of these guys you have to run out and say, yeah, we need to make sure we fortify our bottom pairing with one of these guys right now. So if I'm desperate for some sort of hockey news this summer and I'm looking for free agents to sign sooner rather than later, I'm assuming I'm looking up front as opposed to on defense. Is that what we're yeah, saying, or does that? I, yeah, I think there's still some names there. You, I mean, you started with Rudine Verbata. You've got guys like Yuri, but there, there's some players out there, uh, Christopher Stieg. There are players out there that that still have some value, and I think can can bring something to a team. And I would I would expect that to be sort of the next wave of free agents that we see finding a home. Let me toss a couple other names at you, and certainly, well, actually, let, no. Let's start with Hoodler. Seventy-six points two seasons ago wins the Lady Bang. Now I know that that was. I, I think we all agree that that's going to be the sort of pinnacle of his career at least statistically everything came together it was like a perfect storm on that young calgary team but i'm a little i'm a little surprised he's still sitting out there uh just at age 32 coming off that season two years ago i mean he wasn't that bad last year no he really wasn't wasn't as good as he was the year prior but he wasn't awful it just it's it's crazy to me that i'm assuming at this point you could get him for a pretty decent price to have him just sitting out there with the capability to play center even. I mean, he's not going to be your number one center by any means, but especially a young team, it seems like, I mean, that that was, he played that role in Calgary, and Florida obviously brought him in to play that role as well. There are other young teams in this league, aren't there? <laughs> I mean, even Calgary, I could see. Why wouldn't they go back and get him? I think there's a third line role for him somewhere. But again, I, I feel like, I mean, he, he's in this upper echelon of remaining uh, free agents that you could see. But again, you, you're looking at those, 
third line, fourth line wing sitting out there. And I feel some of the teams may be feeling the same way about, well, let's see what we have and then we can move on. And again, you have, you have so many young players that are cost controlled. I think a lot of them are just thinking, you know what, let's see what we have the first week of training camp. And I think we could see a lot of, a lot of these players sign in a very short period of time. Like in September. And that's playing into this too. You mentioned cost control, Jamie, and that's that's obviously playing into this as well, especially when you you know, when you identify your your top free agent target and you, you manage to land that guy. We're 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 in a different era in the NHL right now where a lot of teams are cap crunched. So when you're talking about adding a player like this, the money may not look like it's such a big deal, but when so many teams are in the situation they're in with the cap, it, it is a big deal, and, and a lot of teams are looking at you know sort of those, those more cost-effective younger players to insert into the bottom six in their in their lineup or you know your bottom pairing on defense. You have to sort of rethink the way you shape your roster now because of the finances of the league. And we talk, you know, we've talked on this podcast a bunch about how the game is getting younger and faster, and I think they're going to give young players the chance to lose a job in the starting and starting lineup before they automatically just sign a veteran player who three, four years ago would have, you know, it would have been, hey, this is a guy we're going to sign. We're going to fortify our third or fourth line. We know what we're getting. It's a known commodity, and we'll move on. And I think now they're looking to see if they can maybe catch lightning in a bottle with one of their young guys. Yeah, I mean, what you're saying makes a lot of sense. It's just, it, to me, it makes more sense when you're just, when, when you're talking about one specific team that has one specific roster spot and they have a, a young player that's coming up or they can sign Hoodler, then I understand why you're waiting. But when you're starting to look at a 23-man roster across 30 teams, it's still a little surprising to me that a guy like Hoodler, uh, or especially Verbata, isn't on a team just yet. Here's a couple names. If you guys are talking about the league going younger, uh, and you you can you could even just answer this with one word uh, if they're done or not, but I'm going to throw three names at you, and you tell me if you think these guys are still going to be playing in the NHL next year. Let's start with uh, Alex Tangay. Because he closed out last season pretty well, but you know the first half of the year with Colorado was was certainly one of his least productive stretches of his career, and he's been in the league for a while now. I just, I mean, it depends on what he's asking or what he's willing to accept. And, and again, I, I like like those some of those other players we mentioned. I just mean that being a guy who goes deeper into the summer before he finds a home. You, he's the kind of guy where you you want to sort out what you have and and make sure what your roster looks like, and then if you have a hole that he can fill, maybe you can bring him in at a reasonable price at his age. Yeah, I think he's the last two weeks of training camp yeah. right now. Well, yeah. then, uh, how about Brad Richards, who, if you remember a few years ago, we saw lines of people waiting outside his hotel just to negotiate with him. Uh, 35 right now. You know, certainly his production has dropped way off, really ever since he ended up signing that big contract. But now it's it's weird you hear his name, and you're like, I didn't even realize he played last year. <laughs> yeah, uh same, same thing. It's just so slow, right? Yeah. yeah it's, one, it's one of the biggest, biggest issues with him. And, you know, it was, it was nice for, for a time. He, he, had, he had a nice little run there with, with, a, with a couple teams. But I, I just don't think that he's the type of player that you're looking to, especially at that position, to bring in at this point because the game's just got so much faster. He's, he's a liability. He really is. Yeah, and really since his peak season – the peak last two seasons in Dallas. It's it's been a slow but steady decline each of the last four seasons, and I, I still see it. I, I don't see a team. Again, it, it's one of those things where somebody maybe at some point with injuries are going to go and say, "Hey, we need we need an NHL vet to put on this roster right now," and they'll go out and sign him to a million dollar deal or, or something of that nature. But there's no reason to rush out to get any of these guys right now. There really isn't. Well, okay, I'm going to throw also who are you bidding against. 
Well, yeah, that's, that's that, I guess that's kind of my point. You're not bidding against anybody. And certainly that first wave of players we talked about are guys I do think need to be on teams. Uh, I'm not sure about a guy like Brad Richards. And this is one I'm going to throw at you, and this is the last name I'm going to toss at you guys, and then we're going to move on to um, what we saw at Prospect Camp this past week here in Arizona. But this guy's only 26. He'll be 27 next month. Uh, I can tell by the look on Jamie's face he probably knows where I'm going with this. Uh, we're talking about a guy that was the sixth overall pick back in 2007. Are we near the end here for Sam Gagne? Eight goals last season with Philadelphia, and it just doesn't seem like anybody wants him. I think when he when he left Edmonton and went to Tampa for about 10 minutes and then the Coyotes for a season, it, there was that thought of, well, he's getting out of Edmonton, so he's going to have he, he's gonna get a boost to his production just simply by that. Uh, but, I mean, there's just no interest in him, and that's crazy when you're talking about a 26-year-old. No, and not not so much when you look at his, you know, look look at who he's been the last few seasons. I just, yeah, he he didn't work here obviously in Arizona. I, I can't say exactly what what the issue is with Sam Gagne because you see some of the tools there, and you, you would think that maybe in the right situation he'd have more success. But for for whatever reason, he just hasn't put it all together. You're right at his age. There's still maybe someone out there that takes a risk at the right price again, but. I, I I can't imagine anybody getting terribly excited about a Sam signing at this point. Yeah, I mean, and, he, and he's put he's nine years into the league already. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean it, it's he's never bit, hit twenty goals. We talked about it a little bit with Bosker, but we talked about it with Sam Gagne how young he was when he made his debut yeah. in Edmonton, and arguably his best season ever came his rookie year, and it's kind of been. He never really improved, which is a scary thing to see. You know, that's a good way to put it. He really hasn't. He had the fifteen goals at the Coyotes two years ago now, and that was statistically kind of up there as one of his better seasons. Yeah. But you're right, his rookie year, 49 points, is his career high, and he just has not ever gotten better. You look at his rookie year, and you look at his last year uh, with the, the Coyotes in the 14-15 season, and it's a whole lot of the same in terms of his goals, his assists, his possession stats, his, uh, you know, the, the areas of the game in which he plays. I mean, he's basically, that's the guy he was. He was a really good maybe third liner that just never improved and now we're stuck in a situation where he wasn't even that last year somebody i think will give him a shot because of his age and because they can play him in, in a couple different spots although i think you're crazy if you play him at center but somebody will give him a shot because they'll look at you know we're not going to find a player of that age and a guy that was that high of a pick maybe we can fix something and make him salvageable but i I don't see it. I really don't see it. It's it's crazy because this is a guy that had an eight point game. Remember yeah. against uh, Chicago back in February of two thousand. Craig remembers. Yes, yes, I remember. <laughs> so out of three hundred fifty two career points over the span of nine years, eight of them came in one game, and so you kind of got that flash of like this is why he was the sixth overall pick uh, back before Edmonton got the number one pick every year, and yet it is it, it's. Oh, I it's, feel like this guy he could he could tear up some European hockey leagues yeah. with his style. I just, I yeah. just don't think it's got – I don't think his wrong. style fits. And, again, he's got some of the pieces you like, but he's never put it all together. And, again, I know he's young, but nine seasons. That's a lot of data to pull from. Yeah, yeah. and even when you, you brought up Bodker because we talked about him last week. There were extenuating circumstances. His second year, he spent most of the year in the AHL. He probably shouldn't have been up his first year. It was just kind of where he was or where the organization was with Bodker. And then he's getting better, and he has the spleen injury. And so – there you can you can look at Bodker's career path and say there's probably still something there. And he also scored more than eight goals last year. <laughs> I always wonder about that too. When you hear about players that maybe their their development was rushed a little bit, I've always wanted to dive into that a little bit more and look at exactly what happened along the way because there's there's a lot of talk about oh we brought this guy up too soon, it probably stunted his development, probably hurt him in the long run. 
Well, how tangibly did that happen? Was it just a confidence thing? I'm, I'm always curious about that, but it, you, you bring up two really good examples of that in Sam Gagne and Mikhail Bodker. It'd be an interesting story to look into. So and, thanks for that, guys. And, and it's tough because you look at a guy, I mean, one could argue, looking back in the, in the Coyotes era of let's just play everybody right away, that one guy that had success right away that you would say was, hey, this guy, this guy was ready for the NHL and then kind of fell off the, fell off the cliff for a couple of years before coming back up and then getting hurt was Peter Mueller. Yeah. I mean, you look at what he did his rookie season, I don't think anybody could say that guy wasn't ready to at least be a part of an NHL team. But then right. the, the narrative when he was when he left Arizona was, well, he was called up too soon and it's done in his development. So where – but what do you do when the guy scores 20 goals as a rookie? Yeah, it, it, it's it's a tough a tough thing to balance, and a lot of it is just well, he fit, this prospect failed, so he was called up too early. This prospect succeeded, so it was fine. Yeah, and, and Kyle Turris was another one in that in that group. Yeah, and, and I yeah, would go ahead. Craig. Sometimes it feels like too broad a top or a, too broad a label to throw on people. So I, I like I said, I'd, I'd like to examine that a little more closely and see if it's even fair, or if it, it it's just a matter of you know these players just at a certain talent level, and they never rose above that. Yeah, I, I think specifically, too, I mean, you, you're right. I, I, it's tough to paint every player with the same brush in that regard because I do think Bodker handled it better than a lot of players in his situation after having you know a decent rookie year when he's 18 years old, and then he goes down and spends most of the next year uh, in the AHL. He seemed to embrace that about as much as you're going to get a player in that situation to do it, and, and he, you know, he got better after that. But it is an interesting topic now when you look around the league because they're – as the league goes younger and younger, there are more and more players playing in their first or second year, and enough of them are being productive where it's going to force more and more players to probably play in that role. And it even goes back to what we were saying earlier in the show, if there's teams waiting on signing a guy in his early to mid-30s because they have a guy that's 19 or 20 that they expect might be able to come in and produce right away. I guess along those lines, Craig, I know you're in Oregon now, but you saw the beginning of uh, Coyotes prospect camp last week. And you know we're here. We're here in Arizona, so that's the only prospect camp we all saw uh, in person. But um, anybody in particular stand out to you, Craig? I know you didn't get to see the game on Friday night. I'll talk about that in a second. But just you can only read so much from drills. But anything you, you liked or didn't like from those first couple of days? Ah, uh, boy, that's that's a tough one because I with these camps. I mean, even the, even the staff has said this is more like orientation, just getting guys used to being around an NHL arena, staff, equipment, all, all of those sorts of things, just familiarizing themselves with it. So to gain any lasting impressions on players, I, I think would be just entirely misguided. First of all, they're not out there on the ice with other NHL players. They're playing against other prospects, so it, it's hard to even judge. But uh, if you're asking me for a couple things that stood out, uh, you know, I, I did like sort of some of the things that I saw from Brendan Cellini he, he really does skate well and shoot well if they can they can get whatever it was that was an issue last year and Niagara sorted out with him and, and I alluded to it may have been something to do with the coaching staff he still in my mind has a lot of the tools to be a, a, a big time prospect and the other guy that I'm really intrigued about I, I wrote this about him Christian Fisher right winger they obviously have a huge need for a right wing on this roster he's only 19 the odds are really good that he's still going to be playing at a different level, whether that's in, in juniors or in the AHL, because he is eligible because uh, he was drafted out of the U.S. Development Program. Um, I, I don't see him making the NHL jump this year, but he has blown everyone in the organization away with his maturity, physically, mentally, emotionally, and he's got the tools. So 
he is one player that I really think you should keep an eye on. Yeah, I, I would piggyback off that and say when you, when you look at Fisher, uh, maturity is a really good way to put it. He he looks like, when you see him on the ice, he looks like a guy that might be uh, in his early to maybe even mid-20s. He's got that sort of size. There aren't – and we, we talk a lot about the Coyotes prospect system here just specifically because we are right here and the arena is just down the street, but also because it is pretty widely regarded as the top one or two in the league uh, right now. And they don't have another player in the system like Fisher. You know, they've got guys that can do this or they can do that. But Fisher, with that size and the ability to maybe be a power forward for this team, makes him a really unique uh, player in that that, that pool. Uh, Perlini, like you said, is somebody that, you know, after being their their first-round pick a few years ago, he's kind of got pushed down the, the prospect ladder there partially because maybe of the junior team he was playing for, but then also because some of the other players they've drafted. I will say from watching, and I, I agree with you, Craig, you can only read so much because these guys are, are just kind of getting oriented with, with other players you know, that aren't NHL players yet. But from watching the actual scrimmage game on Friday night that they handled like it was a regular game, they, you know, they had a crowd out there. It was a, they did the morning skate and everything. They did the full 20-minute periods and played it like a real game with officials. I, he's not going to play for the Coyotes anytime soon, but Clayton Keller really uh, fun to watch seems very confident with the puck for a guy that is so young and very creative Connor Garland is one guy that is is somebody that you need to watch because he's just so small but he's also I, I don't know if he can do what he's doing to other players his age when he does when he's matching up against you know whoever Drew Doughty or something down the line and also Ryan McKinnis is a guy that uh, Coyotes fans know about but he has certainly, since they drafted him, has really developed into kind of an interesting player. And another guy that I know Craig has brought up in the past, Aiden Hill, looked good. Again, I know you can only take so much from a, a rookie game, especially when you're playing against yourself. But uh, it's there were some interesting players on display there. Why, why don't we have, like, rookie league hockey the way the NBA has summer league basketball? Has that ever been <laughs> exclusively discussed before? <laughs> I haven't heard it. That'd be interesting to watch, actually. That that would be a fun league to watch. But you know, you mentioned a couple other names. Aiden Hill is an intriguing prospect for me. Uh, they they really really lacked a top level goalie prospect for a while, and who knows if he will pan out. But all the early returns on this kid right now are good. He's got the size. He's got the apparently the mental makeup. He still needs a lot of development down in the minor leagues. As John Elkin, their goalie coach, was telling me, he's he's still raw in some technical aspects. So he really thinks he you know he needs to learn to play against pro competition that will exploit some of those things and he needs to continue to hone his game but it's it's good for the organization to have that kind of prospect down there yeah that's a great point I mean in, as a goalie who's 20 years old he's not going to be playing at the NHL level anytime soon especially when you have Mike Smith and now Louis Domingue in front of him but you're right there's been talk of him being the goalie of the future having just been drafted in 2015 and he was impressive throughout the drills, which, again, you can only take so much from, but he was really impressive in the game, and that was my first extended look at him. So uh, early on, early returns on him pretty good. Jamie, you have anything you want to – I guess my question to you – yeah, I, both... yeah, I was not at Prospect Camp. I was, I was locked in my cubicle. Yeah, I just wanted the you to. Fenrick headquarters. The way Fenrick International Headquarters. The, the way me calls and Jamie are set up, he seems like a, a witness on the stand right now because he's across the room and he's got the microphone he has to talk into. It's, it's, I feel like I'm interrogating him. If you guys had to throw a number out there with the Coyotes, how many of these, how many young, I guess, rookies do you expect to make this team out of camp? Because I know this has been a prevalent question among the fan base. I would think two to three would be the number just okay. looking at their roster right now and what they still need to do. They have they have a big hole on right wing. They still need to sign Shane Doan. 
presumably this will happen at some point soon. Um, but the, even then, you, you need help uh, on right wing unless you're moving somebody over from the other side. I got to believe that at least one of those centers is going to make the roster this season, Dylan Strom or Christian DeVore. They, they need that sort of infusion into the lineup at this point. Uh, I do wonder how, how they squeeze both of them in, though, with the uh, players they have under contract. Well, they might not have to squeeze DeVore again right away. I mean, they can send him to Tucson. Yeah, and that's, and that's, that's my, to be honest, my suspicion is that he'll end up in Tucson to start the season, and it'll be Dylan Strom that'll be here. And it's not the end of the world. I know it. I know it's going to feel like it sometimes. Yeah, the way Christian Dvorak is uh, bandied about at, along the Coyotes fan base, and again, I think he's going to be a a good player. I know we've talked on this podcast in the past about varying degrees of how good we think Christian Dvorak will be. But if you have the ability to send him to the AHL, especially so close to the Phoenix area, do it. Yeah. Yeah. The thing to remember with Dvorak is if he doesn't make the team out of camp, you'll still probably see him next year with the Coyotes, whereas Strom, just because of his age, if he doesn't make the team out of camp, that's another year he's got to wait, which, look, we have all kind of anointed Strom as a center on this team. It's not the end of the world if he doesn't make this roster either. It's not the end of the world, but would it be disappointing, considering that they, they've Strom has played it up as if he was, I think in my mind, a little closer to making the roster than I think he actually was. But is it the way that's been talked about, from him in particular, would it be a massive disappointment if he doesn't make, it doesn't at least get a, a shot at the opening night roster? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Coyotes fans saw firsthand with a guy like Max Domi how you want your young player to handle potentially being sent down twice, which, again, five years ago, it's not even like you're being sent down. That was supposed to be your development. Now, Domi was such a high-profile player that, you know, I think all the people around the Coyotes, certainly fan base and an organization, looked to see how he was going to handle that because there were times where it looked like he might be ready for the NHL and then he had to spend a whole another year in junior Obviously, Domi made the absolute best of it. He became uh, even more of a leader. He was he was integral for uh, Canada winning the World Junior Championship a couple years ago. So that's the best-case scenario if a guy of that profile doesn't make your team. Strom, earlier last week, talking about it, said, look, you know, I, even if I go back to Erie, uh, there's stuff I need to, you know, I can work on there. This is obviously well before training camp. But, you're, yeah, if he, if he weren't to make the team, it's certainly going to be disappointing to him. And then at that point, you hope he would handle it. Uh, based on you know what we've seen from him, I think that he's in a pretty good spot to make this team. But you don't know until training camp starts. Yeah, I, I think he would be fine. Uh, I think the biggest concern would be the fan base's reaction at that point if he's not on this roster. Because it's like, okay, well, we got to wait an entire season now to see our uh, top center make make the NHL roster. It'll be hard, but you know they'll do what they feel is right. And, and the, you can't really listen to that outside chatter. You have to evaluate the player on the ice and, and go with your gut. I just, I just you know, you guys are talking about Tucson as well, and, and I know this has been explored a bit already, but Steve Sullivan, the, the director of development, was talking so much about how it's going to benefit this franchise. I just, I don't think it can be emphasized enough how much it's going to help being able to have eyes on their players all the time, having that, that proximity. You know, you can, the Coyotes say the Coyotes play a Thursday and, and Saturday home set. They can go down on Friday, watch the players, Maybe one of those players warrants a trip back up here and comes up and plays on the Saturday game. But there's so much more uh, hands-on approach you can take when your players are that close. It's going to have a massive effect on this franchise to have their AHL team in Tucson. Yeah, uh, you know, specifically you look at guys like uh, Dvorak and Perlini in particular. 
Yeah, uh, and maybe even Fisher, right? Yeah. You, you know, you got you can go back to the OHL where he was going to be hosting the Memorial Cup, and that's a really cool thing. Likely he would be the captain, so maybe you want him to have that experience of leadership, but you could also put him in Tucson and say, hey, we, we give this kid a year of development. He's ready next year. Yeah, and, and you know, with, with – with Dvorak, you have to figure if Strom didn't make the team for whatever reason, that probably means Dvorak did. But even if he doesn't make the team, that's one of those guys that you might just run down the street to Tucson. Uh, even as a Coyotes fan, it might be worth running down the street to, to watch him play for Tucson. And then you figure because he's so close, he's more likely to bounce back up to the team. And Perlini as well maybe just needs that development. But it's it's so much different when you can put a guy – and two hours away, and they don't disappear for a full year. You're not just looking at the OHL website or your AHL team's website that's 3,000 miles away. Yeah, the ability right. just to call somebody up right away and the ability to say, okay, we think he's close, but let's give him 20, 30, 40 games at the AHL level, and then we'll see where we're at. Yeah. All right, it's before we wrap this. carrot for those players down in Tucson, too, when you dangle it. Like, like Sully said, you know, when they turn on the news, granted, there's not going to be a, a – a lot of Coyotes news in Tucson, but there's going to be some. They're going to, they're, they're covering that team down there. So when you turn on the TV or when you're 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 aware of the media, local media, it's going to be about the Coyotes if it's going to be about anybody when you're talking hockey. So it's almost like they're more engaged. It, it, it's a it's like I said, it's another carrot dangling in front of them. You can see what's happening with your franchise instead of being clear across the country. Where when you turn on the TV, it's Boston Bruins news. Yeah, that's true. It, it makes it a lot more realistic and a, a lot more, uh, I guess, just real. There's <laughs> another way to say realistic. Uh, before we go, Mark Bergevin uh, came out and adamantly defended the P.K. Subban trade. Maybe this is how we're just going to wrap up every uh, every show for the next season. Final thoughts on him or anything else you guys want to talk about before we send Oregon or Craig back out into the Oregon wilderness? Well, of course he, he adamantly defended it. He, he made the trade. <laughs> I just don't. I don't see anybody else out there agreeing with him, though, and and I think time will tell on that. But uh, I think, I think when their play on the ice starts to speak for itself, everybody will see it was a bad trade. Yeah, Jamie. Thoughts? Yeah, I'm not any more of a fan of the trade now than I was before. <laughs> I, th- th- again, they can talk all they want. The the real reason isn't being made public. We can speculate on a number of things. Nothing for sure. But this is from a pure hockey sense. It doesn't make sense. But Montreal is going to be better this year, and they're going to point to that. Yeah, Yeah. but that's what they're going to point to, right? And people will buy into it. I bet you they will. All right. Anything else? Are they a playoff team? Uh, It's not impossible. Yeah, I. I, No, I I think they're on the bubble. Yeah, and we kind of touched on that last week. Montreal and Calgary are the two teams, probably with the best shot out of Canada to make the playoffs this year, right? And then I would say even Winnipeg is a sneaky third, but they're in a real tough spot. Yeah, I think that's fair. Okay. Those, those three teams that I mentioned in my story on Sunday. Last thing, to, I think, to touch on before we, we move on, it's and uh, Craig just tweeted it out while he was on the air, multitasking. Oh, I should follow Craig on Twitter, shouldn't I? Well, yeah, probably. <laughs> You're making him feel bad about <laughs> yeah, himself He knows now. I follow him. Uh, that uh, arbitration hearing for Michael Stone set for August 4th. Uh, that's a, you know, it, again, we, it's no secret. We have, a, we have a heavy Coyotes contingent out here. That's a because of, you know, what, what we've all covered in the past. But it's a very interesting arbitration case for Stone. And, and, and I think, you know, we talk, we talk a ton on the show, this one in particular, about the value of right-handed defensemen. I, I wonder if how this is going to be looked at. It's a, he, he is a very tough one to, to sort of gauge his value because he goes – I guess you would consider him – on some level, an offensive defenseman. He just had 37 points last year. 
So, and he's got that shot that when he puts it on goal is, uh, is not something you want to stand in front of 36 points last year, 30 assists, six goals. So when he, when he gets that shot on goal and, and Jamie, you mentioned he's a right-handed shot, there's a ton of value there. And so if you're just looking at statistics, he's shown improvement each of these years and he has shown improvement with his defense in each of these years too, but he's also coming off a real tough injury. And so yep. as unfortunate as that is, that's sort of negotiating leverage for the actual team. Yeah, there are, all, there are all sorts of factors on both sides. I think that's what you're alluding to here, J.B. This is, this is a tough case to predict because there are strong there are strong bullet points on either side of this case. Yeah, and, and again, I, I in any sport, it happens in baseball all the time and, and hockey you know, fairly frequently, but arbitration is never fun because, again, you have to essentially you have to go into a room and explain with the player sitting next to you all the bad things they did to make them not <laughs> worth the money that they want. Right, right. And then, oh, by the way, you're going to come to an agreement most likely at some point and just you know, kiss and make up and pretend you didn't say all those mean things. Yeah, it's, it's one of the weirder things in sports. All right, should we let Craig go back to playing Pokemon Go in the Oregon wilderness? Yes, we should. All right. How are you doing out there, Craig? Is it working for you? Oh. How many Pokemon have you caught? Um, <laughs> I don't even know what to say there. <laughs> I, I have no great walk-offs. Okay, good. I feel like me and Jamie won. All right. You did. You won this, hey, won this, won this round. The phone, the phone line stuck with it the entire show. I think that's a win. Call that a win for us. So, wait. So, next week, let's just hammer this out on the air. Next week, Craig is still going to be via phone, right? You're still traveling the world next week. Yes. yes. Okay. I, I can't say where I'll be yet, but I, I will call in. Okay. At an undisclosed location. And then, potentially the following week, we may have, we'll have Craig back in studio and may have uh, outside guests to talk about some of the other teams around the NHL because at that point, we're not that far away from training camp in the uh, World Cup. So for uh, Jamie Eisner and Craig Morgan, I'm Luke Lipinski. Thanks for listening to Episode 41 of the Natural Hat Trick Podcast. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.